Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to this. There is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. <coughs> Today we're continuing our reading in the Manual for Teachers, with section four, what are the characteristics of God's teachers? And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance for our lesson for the day, and that's led by Fran, and the lesson is lesson 340. I can be free of suffering today. All right, and Lori is not with us today. We don't have one of her openings. And uh, I think I don't have a good one either, except perhaps the first paragraph. So what I'll do is review the reading list now. With us in reading, I have Fran, Donna, Harrison, Judy, Micah, Jessica, Lana, and Robin Marie. And with this in listening, I have Ida, Wendy, Ida and Wendy. Is there anyone else who's joined and would like to say good morning? Or join the reading this room? Is this is Sandra. I can read. Oh, did I skip you? Yeah. I'm sorry. Have you after Jessica and That's before fine. Lana? All right. Okay. Ah, it's good to know if I'm skipping words here on the page. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll go ahead and get us started then with section four. What are the characteristics of God's teacher? One, the surface traits of God's teachers are not at all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly, and their superficial, quote-unquote, personalities are quite distinct. 
nor at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God have they as yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. These special gifts born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching-learning situation is geared become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike. And Fran, would you read down through the one, two in the title of Trust? You want me to read paragraph three, two, one, two, and three? Um, just one, two in the title, Trust. Okay. So two, okay. Four. Are not at all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. They're extremely and their social quote unquote personalities are quite distinct. Nor at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God, have they as yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. These special gifts, born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching learning situation is geared, become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike, too. All differences among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Trust. Thank you, friend. And let's see, Donna, would you read two, title and three? <clears throat> two. All difference among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Trust. Three. This is the foundation on which their ability to fulfill their function rests. Perception is a result of learning. In fact, perception is learning because cause and effect are never separated. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a power which is in them, but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power 
that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world. Thank you, Donna. And Harrison, would you read from Trust down through four? Trust. This is the foundation on which their ability to fulfill their function rests. Perception is a result of learning. In fact, perception is, is learning because cause and effect are never separated. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned. It is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a power which which is in them, but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world for when this power capital P has once been experienced it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again who would attempt to fly with the tiny wings of a sparrow when the mighty power of an equal has been given him. And who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the ego when the gifts of God are laid before him? What is it that induces them to make the shift? Thank you, Harrison. And Judy, four and five. When this power has once been experienced, it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Who would attempt to fly with the tiny wings of a sparrow when the mighty power of an eagle has been given him, and who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the ego when the gifts of God are laid before him? What is it that induces them to make the shift? Trust and the development of trust. (sighs) First, they must go through what might be called a period, a period, period, excuse me, a period of undoing. <laughs> this need not be painful, but it is usually, but it usually is so experienced. If it seems as if things are being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light. 
he is not yet at a point in which he can make the shift entirely or internally. Excuse me. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage. Thank you, Judy and Micah. Five and six. Okay. Uh, Hold on. Uh, Five. First, they must go through what might be called a period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage. Six. Next, the teacher of God must go through a period of, quote, I'm sorry. He must go through a, quote, period of sorting out, unquote. This is always somewhat difficult because having learned that the changes in his life are always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it. He will find that many, if not most, of the things he valued before will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned in new situations as they arise. Because he has not valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize. I'm going to read that again. Because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lesson for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The world, the word quote-unquote value can apply to nothing else. Thank you, Micah. And Jessica. Paragraph 6. Next, the teacher of God must go through a, quote, period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because, having learned that the changes in his life are always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it. 
he will find that many, if not most of the things he valued before, will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned to new situations as they arise. Because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lesson for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The word, quote, value can apply to nothing else. The third stage through which the teachers of God must go can be called a, quote, period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. There is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. The third step is rarely, if ever, begun until the second is complete. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He can learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless. Through this, he learns that where he anticipated grief, he finds a happy lightheartedness instead. Where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed on him. Thank you, Jessica and Sandra. Seven. The third stage through which the teachers of God must go can be called a period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. There is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. The third step is rarely, if ever, begun until the second is complete. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be he can learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless. Through this, he learns that where he anticipated grief, he finds a happy lightheartedness instead. Where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed on him. Eight. 
Now comes a period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. Its potential is literally staggering. And the teacher of God is now at the point in his progress at which he sees in it his whole way out. Give up what you do not want and keep what you do. I need to say that again. Give up what you do not want and keep what you do. How simple is the obvious and how easy to do. The teacher of God needs this period of respite. He has not yet come as far as he thinks. Yet when he is ready to go on, he goes with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will go on he he will not go on from here alone. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Sandra. And Lana, eight and nine. Okay. Four. I'm sorry, eight. Now comes a quote period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. Its potential is literally staggering. And the teacher of God is now at the point in his progress at which he sees in it his whole way out. In quotes, give up what you do not want and keep what you do, unquote. How simple is the obvious and how easy to do. The teacher of God needs this period of respite. He has not yet come as far as he thinks. Yet, when he is ready to go on, he goes with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will not go on from here alone. Nine. The next stage is indeed a, in quote, quotes, period of unsettling. Now must the teacher of God understand that he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All that he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did want the valuable. Yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice so central to his thought system has made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he had learned willingness, but now he sees that he does not know what the willingness is for. And now he must attain a state that may remain, I'm sorry, and now he must attain a a state that 
may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance. We're not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced. It would be hard indeed. Thank you, Lana. And Robin Marie. The next stage is indeed, quote, a period of unsettling, unquote. Now must the teacher of God understand that he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All that he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did want the valuable. Yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice, so central to his thought system, had made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he had learned willingness, but now he sees that he does not know what the willingness is for, and now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance. We're not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced. It would be hard indeed. Ten. And finally, there is a, quote, period of achievement, unquote. It is here that learning is consolidated. Now what was seen as merely shadows before become solid gains to be counted on in all, quote, emergencies, unquote, as well as tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is their result. The outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer. This is the stage of real peace, for here is heaven's state fully reflected. From here the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would, quote, go, unquote, anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than this? Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there a new reader to conclude with 10? Paragraph 10? I will. Okay, Ida. Yeah, just 10. Okay, thanks. And finally, there is, quote, a period of achievement, unquote. It is here that learning is consolidated. Now what was seen as merely shadows before becomes solid gains to be counted on in all, quote, emergencies as well as tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is their result, the outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer. 
This is the stage of real peace, for here is heaven's state fully reflected. From here, the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would, quote, go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than this? Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And is there anyone else who would like to uh, read Chapter 10? One more, paragraph 10, one more time. Okay, thank you. Still laughing about chapter 10. Okay, well, I think there's time, so I will I will attempt a summary that is not exactly just rereading this section. Four, what are the characteristics of God's teachers? The surface traits of God's teachers are not at all alike. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. The specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. I know that leading implies others being led out, not just oneself. Okay, and uh, from paragraph two, all differences among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time, it can be said that advanced teachers of God have the following characteristic, trust. This is the foundation on which the ability to fulfill the function rests. There's one we would like. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a power which is in them but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world. When this power has once been experienced, it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the ego when the gifts of God are laid before him. What is it that induces them to make the shift? Now the periods here. The first period, the period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it is. it usually is so experienced. 
Always makes me laugh and smile. Period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it is. it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. So the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage, a period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because having learned that the changes in his life are always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it. But because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lesson for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The world value can apply to nothing else. Third stage, the period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. The third step is rarely ever begun until the second is complete. You may experience a period of overlap in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He can learn this only as he actually does give up the value. Through this, he learns that where he anticipated grief, he finds a happy lightheartedness instead. Where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed on him. Now comes the period of settling down which he consolidates the learning. Now we begin to see the transfer value of what has been learned. Its potential is literally staggering, and the teacher of God is now at the point in his progress at which he sees in it his whole way out. The teacher of God needs this period of respite. He has not yet come as far as he thinks. But when he's ready to go on, he goes on with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will not go on from here alone. And period of unsettling. Now must the teacher of God understand he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did want the valuable. <clears throat> Yet, his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. 
the idea of sacrifice had made it impossible for him to judge. So now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what we really want in every circumstance. Were not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced, it would be hard indeed. And finally, a period of achievement. It is here that learning is consolidated. Now what was seen as merely shadows before becomes solid gains to be counted on in all seeming emergencies as well as in tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is their result. This is the stage of real peace, for here is heaven's state fully reflected. From here, the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable. What could be more desirable than this? Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you for that. Top of the hour now. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, you're welcome. Back to peace, <laughs> the motivation for taking the course, peace of mind. Yeah, and the section on trust is the section of all the characteristics that he enumerates in the, in this part. Trust, he says, I think towards the end of this part is the very most important because without trust, we don't have anything. <laughs> Thanks. I'm complete. Yes, I do. I mean, the next sentence we start with tomorrow, all other traits rest on trust. And it, it does seem that these periods are, are all about... Uh, are all about extending it <clears throat> in a real way uh, to what is real and then ourselves and our brothers in the world. Okay, well, um, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but earlier when you read, Pran, your line was breaking up a little bit. Oh, really? So maybe, yeah. I'm trying to get you to talk now to see if it's if it's stable or or if I should ask you to dial back in before the last. Oh, well, what do you think? I'm talking now. It sounds Does it sound sounds okay? good now. Yeah. Should I do the lesson then? See if it's okay. Yes. Please, please go ahead. Uh, no one else. Okay. Can and tell me if me. it sounds weird, and I'll dial back in. Okay. Okay, um, we are in the second part of the workbook and we're on the last day of the theme, What is the Ego? And today's lesson is Lesson 340, 
I can be free of suffering today. So I'll read some from what is the ego. The ego is idolatry, the sign of limited and separated self. Born in a body, doomed to suffer and to end its life in death. It is the will that sees the will of God as enemy and takes a form in which it is denied. The ego is the quote-unquote proof that strength is weak and love is fearful, life is really death, and what opposes God alone is true. The ego is insane. It dreams of punishment and trembles at the figures in its dreams, its enemies who seek to murder it before it can ensure its safety by attacking them. The Son of God is egoless. To know reality is not to know the ego and its thoughts. In suffering, the price for faith in it is so immense that crucifixion of the Son of God is offered daily at its darkened shrine and blood must flow before the altar where its sickly followers prepare to die. Yet will one lily of forgiveness change the darkness into light. And we'll go to the lesson. Lesson 340. I can be free of suffering today. Father, I thank you for today. I am certain it will bring. This day is holy. For today your son will be redeemed. His suffering is done. For he will hear your voice directing him to find Christ's vision through forgiveness and be free forever from all suffering. Thanks for today, my father. I was born into this world, but to achieve this day, and what it holds in joy and freedom for your holy son and for the world he made, which is released along with him today. Be glad today. Be glad. There is no room for anything but joy and thanks today. Our Father has redeemed his son this day. Not one of us, but will be saved today. Not one who will remain in fear, and none the Father will not gather to himself. Awake in heaven, in the heart of love. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 40. Be free of suffering today.
Be glad today. Be glad. There is no room for anything but joy and thanks today. Our Father has redeemed his Son this day. Not one of us, but will be saved today. Lesson 340, I can be free of suffering today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thanks, friend. Thank you so much, friend. That was lovely. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. You know, your friend, your um, at one point towards the end of what you were sharing, um. It's I can be free of suffering today, but I didn't hear the word I can. So I just heard be free of suffering today. So I thought, well, that's perfect because I can just tell myself that. I can tell other people that maybe if I think they'll understand what I mean and take it the right way. Be free of suffering today. It reminded me of the time in, in the movie Ichi where the little boy went and let go, you know, of all the cages of, of with the frogs or whatever in it and said and said, Be free <laughs> to the little animals. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, I love that Ida. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, Ida, I did too, and I love D T the movie. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Thank you, Ida. Just want to say hi. It's Chris. I know all of you recognize my voice. I'm here to be in joy and inner freedom as I listen. Hi, you be Chris. Hi, Chris. Chris. Nice to hear your voice. Hi, it's Lana. Um, I really like this lesson for 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 you know a, a few reasons. Uh, the first is that um, I love how Jesus always speaks from a present state of awareness and addresses us from our present state of awareness. You know, and in eternity there is no tomorrow <laughs> or there is no yesterday or the day before. It's Everything is uh, is now. It's present. Um, so it is possible to be free of suffering today. And I find the word suffering um, it's a, a it's a it's a place in my mind that I can choose to go to or I cannot. For instance, if um, if I'm experiencing my back pain, the pain is one thing, but the suffering from the pain is a choice I make, you know. And so when I ask for forgiveness, my mind returns to peace. And the pain may play out in time and take a day or two to diminish and disappear. But the Holy Spirit 
brings me to a place of peace in my mind so I don't focus on the pain as much. I focus on being present with God. And as I withdraw my investment and my my attention and focus on the pain um, and keep my mind fixed in God, um, the pain's not in my awareness. My my pain uh, will just start to disappear unless I think about it, <laughs> unless I focus my attention on it. So the real gift is at the moment when the suffering is healed, because when the suffer the idea of suffering is healed, the pain is no longer captivating. And I am more willing to keep my mind fixed in God and allow the healing to happen. So I always think of suffering as a choice, not the situation or the story or the experience of my body, but um, my suffering um, is a decision I make. On, on how I want to experience the pain. I can be miserable and in pain, or I can be at peace in pain. Um, they're two distinct things for me. So um, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lana. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Uh, this is Mike. I, I enjoyed how you were, um, you touched on the two levels of, you know, the body, and then you mentioned the mind. And um, that that's kind of what I, what I was going with, too, was, uh, you know, we're in this being free of suffering. I saw it on two different levels. One is I could, I could feel a shift going on, uh, in my sense of a self, and uh, you know, it was it was uh, pretty much body identified. You know, it was uh, like in a body in space time, and that there was a choice within this realm of thoughts and emotions to either uh, you know allow suffering or to move into a kind of an inner peace and. Uh, and so that was one end of being, you know, one one form of being free of suffering. And then I realized there was another form of suffering that um, uh, that's beyond body identification completely. It's this piece that uh, Eckhart Tolle calls it space consciousness or in The Course of Love, the spacious self. Um, and... It's surrounding. It's surrounding me, surrounding us, and the the sense of identification, or and the awareness can start looking at that field, and the the body identification starts to lift, and there's a feeling of being a salt doll and diving into the Ganges, and and becoming that space itself, and. Um, it's quite quite delightful. I have a quote here. Let me see if I can find it real quick uh, from A Course of Love. Let's see. I've, I've read it before, but it, it's a good one. And let's see if it's going to present itself. 
Yeah, I'm sorry about this. Um, well, maybe I'll find it and read it later. That might that might be the best thing to do because it's not presenting itself right now. So I'm I'm done. Thanks. Oh, thank, thank you, you Mike. Mike. You expressed what I was trying to so much better and clearer. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah, for sharing that. Oh, gosh, yeah. You're welcome. Hi, this is Chris, Yogi Chris. I'm very grateful to be in this group, of course, because of already what I'm feeling and hearing in the shares and the depth of the shares keeps me not just my practice keeps me in value of this, but being with friends that value similar spiritual depth within themselves really helps. Um, being free of suffering. Um, let me see. Where can I go with this? Of course, I'm asking guidance about that, as I just said that. Um yeah, uh, for me, the greatest alleviator of suffering is m my befriending of the letting go of the body. I'm 30 years young with 30 years of experience, and that comes up uh, for me because of the transitioning of the spirit from the body of loved ones and friends and patients throughout the years that I've helped with that. Of course, the things that I associated with that was suffering producing, anxiety, wanting to control, uh, regret, uh, not ready yet to experience what that person is experiencing, things like that. And um, yeah, I had to admit that all this uh, to God was the ego denying that its activity is is um, limited, um, and 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 to watch for that self preservation uh, within that happens when, especially when I'm with a loved one that's about to, that loved one spirit is about to leave the body. Not that I want to focus on something like this, but I want to focus on how grateful I am that it was a major contributor to the release of false evidence appearing and suffering within. Um, I've learned to be more at peace within myself when I observe, um, as Lana was sharing about the observer self, that isn't the pain, but witnesses it and doesn't contribute more pain and suffering around that that is passing. Um, and, 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 and acceptance of how the loved one is experiencing possibly some suffering because I want to immediately get in there, 
oh, I have experience, I have techniques, I have, no, wait a minute. Um, things are like this right now, and I, I cannot change what's going on within that loved one. Um, so I have a tendency of choosing to use that prayer of surrender. I'm here only to be truly helpful. Not just helpful to that loved one, but helpful to whatever comes up within me that doesn't serve me. Uh, any suffering-producing ways of looking and feeling around that, the transitioning of the spirit from body identification to spirit. I could do that now by my practice. Um, and, and, and choose to live a life that fosters the opposite of suffering, kindness, joy, compassion. Um, and, and, and live that kind of life. Um, you know, that the temptation uh, is spending time doing things that aren't meaningful to me, i.e. watching TV, surfing the Internet, on, on my cell phone? Um, am I really spending time beneficial for me during this moment in my life? Of course, meditating, mindfulness, walking, jo healthy activities, yoga. Um, and, and, and why do I do that? Because um, I want to say when I'm about my, the, uh, my spirit is about to enter light and let go of the body, I want to say, you know, I really enjoy how I live my life. I really enjoy how I loved and how well I did that. I really enjoy how I let go and forgave and how I feel right now. That is what I want. And I'm not sharing this because <laughs> there's a eminent, this is eminent for me. Of course it's eminent for me, but I don't know when. And I'm feeling good right now. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Chris. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Micah, too. I didn't get a chance to thank you. I felt a lot. Yeah, what you said touched me. Oh, good. And thank you, Chris. Yes, I agree. Thank you, both of you. Thanks, everybody. Uh, this is, uh, my, this is Micah real quick. Oh, okay. These are the two quotes. I, I, I found the one I was looking for, but then I found another one from A Course of Love. Uh, you know, again, highlighting the idea of the end of suffering, being free of suffering, going into out-of-body identification. And yet, it, it, when we go out-of-body identification, there's such a sweet embracing of the body too. It's not a, like a negation of the body. Well, somebody needs to mute, I think. Uh, and then, uh, so here's, here's the one quote. 
When an obstacle of form, be it human or material in nature, seems to present itself, all you must do is remind yourself that space has replaced what was once yourself of form. Thus, your space will effortlessly join with the space that is free and open to joining. There is no boundary between space and space. It's that realm of unity, uh, the realm of the spacious self, of uh, space consciousness. And then here's the other quote. Um, To seek the face of God, even in the form of Christ, is to seek for what is forever without form. To truly see is to begin to see the formless. To begin to see the formless is to begin to understand what you are. That those are the two. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mike. Wonderful. Appreciate Appreciate that you found us. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's Harrison. the lesson early this morning and uh, I was listening to a YouTube presentation and um, I thought a lot about what this lesson was saying. I can be free of suffering today. And I thought about how can that be? Uh, I I see suffering uh, apparently all around me. Um, Friends uh, suffering from illnesses, uh, friends dying, um, friends in hospitals, um, my own uh, apparent illnesses and maladies. How can I be free of suffering to death? And it occurred to me that I'm already free of suffering to death. I'm already free. Uh, As long as I recognize that I am as God created me. Um, He, first of all, didn't create me as a body. So anything having to do with the body is illusory. It's a mistaken thought on my part. If 
that's what I what I think I'm experiencing. And hearkening back to you know, the beginning of this whole illusory episode. The so-called tiny matter idea wherein I thought I was separate from God. And the key to happiness, peace, and freedom from suffering is recognizing that that did not occur. And I can forgive myself for believing that it did. That is getting to the source of my so-called suffering. Because when I get to the source of it and recognize that it could not be, I could not separate myself from God. And I am not now separate from God. Nothing has changed. And as a thought of God, an idea in the mind of God, I have inherited all of his attributes. And those attributes include that I can be hurt by nothing. One of the lessons says I can be hurt by nothing but my thoughts. And the thought that really hurts is the one that says that I'm separate from God. And then I am not the Holy Son of God. And that the Son of God can suffer. No way. No way is that possible. And so the solution is the remedy is a simple change of mind about who I think I am. The text says in chapter 8, I believe, to fulfill the will of God perfectly is the only joy and peace that can be fully known because it is the only function that can be fully experienced. Joy and peace are the opposite of suffering. And to attain only joy 
and peace. I need to fulfill the will of God perfectly. And his will is that I realize the truth of who I am. Another quote. Perception from chapter 24. Perception seems to teach you what you see. Perception seems to teach you what you see, yet it is but witnesses to what you taught. It is an outward picture of a wish, an image that you want it to be true. Perception seems to teach me what I see. But it's it's just a witness to what I thought. I'm the source of what I see. I decide what I want to see. And that's a challenging thought. Because for some of us, we say, well, if I'm responsible for the war in the Ukraine, you know, what kind of person am I that would project that out there onto the world and cause such suffering? Well, the truth is that all I'm projecting is an illusion. There's nothing out there. The only thing that has any reality at all is myself with a capital S as God created me. And that self is perfect has never sinned, can never sin, will never sin. I am the Holy Son of God himself. Nobody can contain my spirit, nor impose on me a condition that God created not. That's worth remembering. And if I remember that, I can be free of suffering today. Thank you. I'm complete. Incredible, Harrison. Yes, thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Oh, thank you, Harrison. That was truly wonderful. Thank you. Yes, I agree. Thank you. 
I wanted to thank you for that. It really, um, it was like, you know, how far do you want to go? And, and you know, how, how far down the rabbit hole? And that's really going way down when we see that, that we are the dreamer of the dream. Um, I just wanted to highlight two quotes here because it ties in beautifully what you were talking about. What if you recognize this world is an hallucination? What if you really understood you made it up? What if you realize that those who seem to walk about in it to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves are wholly unreal? And then the other the other passage was something we came across maybe a week, a couple weeks ago. A little child, the light is there. You do but dream, and idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. But they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. And it's, it's wonderful what, what awaits us is this movement of our awareness moving into the mind, this unified mind that is projecting holographically this space-time experience. Uh, and, and now we're going to be learning how to dream with the Holy Spirit and dream with Christ. And, and so we'll be looking at this projection, holographic projection of space-time a whole different lens. And, uh, anyway, but thank you, Harrison, for, for that really lifted my awareness up. Hello, um, this is um, Amy. I, Harrison, that was very moving and very powerful. Thank you, Harrison. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Um, you know, I came in about 15 minutes late, um, and it's amazing how there are no coincidences and everything is uh, the holy instant. So I came in just at the moment when the issue of trust was brought up and um, willingness to trust. And I, I just, just felt that was really what I've been dealing with, um, the lack of trust and the lack of willingness, um, holding on to grievances and things. So um, I just want to thank this wonderful group for being the holy instant for me and for everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amy. Thank you. Glad you're here. Thank you, everyone. Ooh, good morning, guys. It's Jude. I have um, I get really excited when I read this. When we read this together, uh, this development of trust and. In um, retrospect, having 
um, I'm sure all of us done a lot of introspection, how we've changed in going through um, the development of our trusting, complete, unshakable, unswerving trusting in love or trusting in God and putting our faith and trust and belief in, in everything I, I think I say and do and am in that, that knowing awareness that everything is in God as God is, being God himself, seeing only with vision, hearing only one voice, the voice that speaks of peace, the voice that speaks of of, of of seeing through the eyes of vision, seeing through the eyes of love, seeing through the eyes of forgiveness, um, letting go in the investment and the value um, that I, I gave to physical sight, um, letting go, letting go, the sorting out the true from the, from the false, letting the Holy Spirit decide for me when I was disturbed and not at peace, letting him decide for God for me how I should see and how I should hear and how I should be in relationship to what I see and hear, um, sorting out the truth from the false. And, um, you know, that settling down the period of relinquishment, um, you know, just recognizing how my head was in a turn you know, I was seeing through the eyes of perception and thinking through the eyes, thinking through the, um, the the egoic source of thought, and at the same time, hearing the voice of God and seeing through the eyes of forgiveness. And there was a a, a, a time when I really was confused, confused whether I was coming or going, up or down forward or backwards and um and then slowly slowly seeing to give up what i did not want and to keep what i did i wanted peace i wanted to know the truth of who and what i was i wanted to know perfect love i wanted to be ready to be a home home for god to be at peace so i could be and all, my mind could be an altar to God. So that whole, God would be at home in me, and I would no longer be a home to the ego, or hostage to the ego, I should say. I would no longer be in a straitjacket, a victim of my own thinking and emotions, turning and spinning and floating, like the Course says, like a feather in the wind. Um settling down and and recognizing I I really I didn't come as I haven't I haven't come as far as I thought. I still got a lot of cray cray thinking going on, <laughs> crazy perspectives. And um, the, this period of settling, um, what truly is valuable to know that I am the kingdom of God to want to know only the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Let me not be mistaken. Let me not be confused. Let me not suffer anymore. And I thank you all for your shares. And 
um, Harrison, you remind me of um, something that I find particularly helpful in um, recognizing what suffering is. And it says that in Lesson 167, there is one life, one life we share that I share with God. There are not different kinds of life, for life is like the truth. It doesn't have degrees. It's the one condition in which all that God created share, like all his thoughts. It has no opposite. There is no death because God shares his life. There's no death because an opposite to God does not exist. There is no death because the Father and Son are one. And it, it appears in this dream, this dream of judgment, that judgment, you know, that in the ego part, that Fran, thank you, that you read, that it says that the, the ego is judgment. It's a perspective from which the mind judges and slices and dices reality, and it can't ever know what reality is. Because when you judge reality, you lose your awareness of all of it. Because it, all of it is the totality of it. The totality of our awareness of what our reality is. And never to lose sight of that. But to come back to this, what you think that death is of, is of the body, but it is but an idea irrelevant to what is seen as physical. So we are purely mind and spirit. And a thought is in the mind. And the mind is where we recognize and sort out what is true and false. What are true and false thoughts? Two plus two equals four. That's the truth. Two plus two equals five. It's false. I am not a body. But not only that, the origins of thought is where the thoughts must be changed. If change occurs, they leave not their source. So, beliefs and, and conditions change. Emotions alternate. And we think it's of causes we can't control. We didn't make and can never change. It's the fixed belief ideas can leave their source and take on qualities their source does not contain. God's ideas, we are ideas in the mind of God in a constant state of joyfulness and peace and happiness that doesn't ever change. It's a changeless, changeless state of awareness that everything else arises and appears to and seems to be in, but that can't change what and who we are. That I will not suffer today because I think or what I see appears to be something different than that. I'm an unshakable being created by a loving God who created me like himself. I will not suffer today. I will be glad and acknowledge and know that which I am. I am a child of God, as are all of you. Amen. Thank you for being here and giving me a place to share what I've learned to come to know as the truth of who and what I am. That's all, folks. Thanks. Thank you, Judy, as always.
I miss the best part. I miss the best part. It's the one idea that underlies all feelings and responses that are not supremely happy. It's the alarm to which you give response of any kind that is not perfect joy. All sorrow, loss, anxiety, suffering, and pain, even a little sigh of weariness, a slight discomfort, or the merest frown, acknowledge death, and thus you deny you live. (laughs) No frowning. (laughs) That's all now. Nice refrain. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again. I'm glad Mm -hmm. we're all walking. Go ahead, Micah. Oh, I'm done. I just said I'm glad we're all walking together. Yeah, okay. stepped on the together inadvertently and thank you for completing that thought. And thanks, it's Judy. The power, of, the power of the mind of God that joins us all as one, that gives us this power everywhere and all the time in, in everything we do and say and come encounter with. That's the power of it. That's the magnitude of it. That that power is each and every one of us each and every one of us has. Okay. Yes, what Judy said is true. Uh, Nobody is left out. Nobody is excluded from that power. If I feel that other people have that power, but I don't. It's a healing moment, a healing opportunity for me to realize that if I don't feel like I have that power, that's because somehow I'm blocking that by not tuning in to the God within me, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and other spiritual masters for help. In my own Holy Spirit. Thanks. I'm complete. Exactly right. That we have, we all have to see that power is in everyone we see, in order to know that we have it. That sharing the Holy Spirit with each other makes us aware of the power that He has to use through us to heal others that they have has this light in them. And not to see them as an image of our own making, but to see them as the light that shines in the light that is in everyone and everything. That is what healing is. That's how we, we will heal this crazy world of ours. <laughs> this is Donna. Am I too loud? Uh, I think you're okay, Donna. Go ahead. Thank you. 
I'm in my car. I had to pull off to stop. <laughs> the the uh, beautiful, beautiful, uh, as others have said, coming together of, of all of us is such a beautiful thing and a growth experience. Judy said something that I, I nearly wanted to pull off. The, well, she said a couple of things. I wanted to pull off the side of the freeway. <laughs> but anyway, she, she said that life is like truth. And, you know, it never dawned on me. It's not variable. Wow. So that just popped out and stuck. And then uh, the idea of suffering or not suffering the beautiful reality is, even in our suffering, God uses it to bring us closer to him. So nothing is wasted that we made an error in this world, that the Holy Spirit, the Christ, God has, has used it to hasten our way to, to come back to him. And the other thing that I, I got uh, out of this, whew, this manual is two things I read both uh, or yesterday and today's lesson yesterday, and then I read uh, Choose Once Again section of A Course in Love, talking about the time of the Holy Spirit's come to an end or we're in a transition or something like that, and the time of Christ is now here, uh, and that those born in the time of Christ will will be here when when the uh, learning has been complete, and we are where we are. And and by absorbing that, I have been praying a prayer for myself and everyone on the planet. And the, it's a prayer Dr. Hora uh, introduced, and it, it is, I am a place where God's presence reveals itself as on the act of love intelligence. But starting yesterday, because I read that, where 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 it's been reinforced over and over again, we're Christ. We are Christ. We are Christ. There's nobody here but Christ. Judy's Christ. Lemoyne's Christ. Everybody on this phone is Christ. I am Christ. So I thought, well, that's a lot shorter prayer. <laughs> so that's what I began to do. I'm Christ. And anybody that comes to mind, uh, I say, the person, I'll say my brother Jim, because he's the one that came to mind, that Jim is Christ. And then I do use a, a phrase uh, that is similar to the word relation, would be similar to the word relationship uh, that Jesus uses in the course, uh, in, uh, in the courses, plural. And Dr. Hora uh, puts it in this way, joint participation in the good of God. Joint participation in the good of God. So my prayer now is, I am Christ, Jim is Christ. We are joint participating in the good of God. And my understanding of what, of what I am letting happen is letting the Holy Spirit and Jesus as well use that openness of that oneness that is prayer to work in everything and I was, and it helps me stop judgment. The guy behind me wouldn't let me in on the freeway. <laughs> and I was expecting as much to let him know I was still coming. And uh, it didn't matter to him, but I did make it. But I got into judging him right away. And I said, oh, no, that guy back of me, back of me in that pickup truck is Christ. And I am Christ. 
and we are jointly participating in the good of God. So I just have been blown away by what I've been listening to today in the process of needing to get going. I am complete, and I am very grateful. Thank God I am Christ, and I spend my time with Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Hey, amen. Uh, Lemoyne, you it seemed like you were had something to say, maybe. I, I apologize, Micah. Um. Someone's dying. Sounds like someone's dying. Maybe I'm the only one. I think that was someone going on mute. Well, this is Lemoyne, and I just want to ask again, which I was about to before Donna spoke, if there's anyone else we haven't heard from this morning who would like to uh, who would like to share as we head towards the end of the recorded portion of the call. Okay. Well, I'm, again, this is Lemoyne. <laughs> I feel the need to to uh, you know sit here in the manual and look back a, a little bit over the course and remember that uh, you know what the what the stated goal of the course is is peace of mind, you know a state of peace, of unshakable peace, and that the means that the Course pursues is to establish our identity. And now thanks, thank you all for, especially last there, you, Donna, for emphasizing it is a shared identity and a shared reality. And so, you know, right there you can see the centrality of trust. To trust that there's a reality there that is not not uh, not at the effect of the world we see, and you know has been built up over time and has made the world tired. Isn't the course yet. Um, but this thing that you know means and end are one so peace and our identity um, must also therefore be one and this is the hallmark and you can see in this development of trust that it really is a lot of it (laughs) 
I like the kind of a cyclical nature to the thing where <clears throat> you get somewhere and rest and go and then more is discovered that is causing loss of peace and then the sorting out or the relinquishment and the uh, <clears throat> settling down, unsettling. This whole thing is a is a process. There can be a process. It, it can take time, and it's okay to take some time in time to undo what was done in time. <clears throat> but that's not a cause for you know imperfection is not a cause for judgment. It's just more illusion. Um, and that that's, this is what we're sorting out as to what we really want and what the means, the given means are for gaining it. So I'm going to speak a little bit of something that is generally viewed as the opposite of trust, which is doubt. <clears throat> and uh, you know, it does say it distinctly in the course of love, you know, all doubt is self-doubt. And, uh, you know, doubt about yourself or oneself, my, my doubt about myself is a mistrust of my own identity and that this needs to be, this is what it is, a big part of what is is being dealt with with these this progression described here. <coughs> and the, the cyclical nature of returning to the point of, of doubt and choosing to find trust in self and God and others. And it's like it says in the text, the only thing it says to have trust in is the world, <laughs> which I thought was like, that's, that's a little bit striking that the only thing he points out is, is for trust is the world. And... Um, I think that goes back to the the idea of the notion that this is a shared reality and there is a, a shared nature to the identity within the sonship. So um, just to say a little bit more, doubt is, is, can be, you know, in its seed, I think it's just uncertainty. It can be just pretty vague. Uh, but it is a loss of peace, and I think it's an expectation of fear, and uh, that then becomes the projection out into the world and then gives us what we think of as a need for judgment. Um, but this course calls us to a different path than what has created a world where conflict and separation is assumed and again to return to the to a shared reality. And so within that 
there is there is this call for recognition of the of the shared nature of reality that the awareness of God is in all living things and that that is where our identity can be founded in trust that you can have <clears throat> trust instead of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and trust in peace. And it, it really is, I think, one of the main points of, of what uh, a, a, a thought that is, crea- that is repeated through the lessons, which is, I am as God created me. I remain as God created me. And you remain as God created thee. <laughs> Just that way. <clears throat> so, you know, it calls us for trust in others, trust in God, um, trust in life and in ourselves and in life itself. And uh, <laughs> out of that peace that arises from trust, real joy can just be had with no cause, just out of gratitude for life. And uh, so I thank you all for helping me get <laughs> get to where I can actually just say these things now. And the, go beyond thinking them and actually say them and uh, (laughs) I think I'll proceed to a closing now unless someone else would like to speak at this point um Thank you, Lemoyne. I would I would just love to say one thing before we close. This is Amy, and I haven't been here for a while, but I've been encouraged to come. Um, I I totally uh, want to express that uh, I understand that I am a child of God. We are all ch- ch- beloved children of God, as as we are. Um, the issue that um, of doubt or the burden of something is that if we were born with gifts uh, certain gifts um, all of us are uniquely gifted um, either with art or with music or with uh, writing or with um, whatever we've been gifted with I've often felt it was a burden uh, that I was obligated by this gift to express it in in the way that I have in the past. And I am trying to see that um, I would like to express the gift that I'm giving and extend it only with love 
for myself and not pressure and a sense of burden. I, I've often heard that um, great um, talent or great creativity is the greatest burden because it's, you know, people say, well, you know, you have this gift, you have to use it. I think that we're learning here we that we express our gifts and our being through love and acceptance of ourselves and patience and compassion. That's what I'm trying to learn. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. This is Roz, and I've been listening and appreciating everything that has been said and you know, remembering who we really are is spirit and God and the spacious self. And I also wanted to say to Amy, you know, I think it's wonderful to express our gifts because we are embodied and we do have certain talents that need to be expressed. They don't have to be expressed, but if we want to express them, I think that's a beautiful thing. And what I wanted to say is I wanted to balance out the conversation just a little bit where because we are are embodied, I feel that it's like in the Bhagavad Gita where Arjuna still has to fight the war. He knows it's an illusion. He knows who he really is. But because he's embodied, he does it. He fights the fight. And uh, I feel that for myself, that in this 3D world, I still have to do what I have to do. And and uh, it may be political. It may just be discernment of what's important here on the 3D level and the choices about, you know, what's an appropriate choice to make. So, you know, it's a dance of combining the awareness of our true selves with our everyday lives. Like, you know, Mari Carone talks about it in the way of the Marys. The way of Mary is to fold those two realities together and live it from that point of view through love. And it, inc- it c- includes discernment of what's a right choice and what is not. So I hope <laughs> I've made it clear that I really appreciate everything that everyone has shared in a very beautiful way. And I, wa- I want to just include that we are still in f- the physical world and that there's a reason for that. And we have to go by some of those laws as well as the higher laws. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Roz. Thank you, Roz. I um, I really, I really, really love this this uh, ma- portion of the manual because uh, trust trusting. Um, God is to trust in myself, my highest, my highest, holy, sacred self. 
that I am one with God. And, you know, we make concessions to speak of it, even to think of it. And to be still is, is to know it. But I have to know who I am and what I am in order to, to choicelessly be who I am. There's no choice in, in being perfect love. And, and being perfect love manifests itself in whatever way it is, is appropriate in any given moment. It's the most spontaneous way of being in the world without an agenda, without a plan. And, and here in, here in um, right from the beginning, that judgment must be relinquished. And we'll read about it tomorrow, that to judge is to be dishonest, because I cannot possibly judge from the perspective of an ego. It comes from a limited, finite mind, which doesn't know the past, the complete past, the complete present, and the complete future. Only the mind of God knows that. And God does not judge because God is everywhere in everything, doing everything. He's, he is beyond judgment. There's no questioning any of that. But to judge, there's a line in the text that's, that says, the finite mind judges according to the unstable scales of desire. And to be at peace is to be desireless. Peace knows it's complete. It knows itself as everything. That is the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding. It's beyond the mind. It's beyond thinking. It's beyond the body. What we are is dimensionless and formless. We can't imagine it because it has no form. There's no image to imagine it by. It's not an object or a thought that can be thought about. Everything, everything that the mind thinks is a fragment of reality. Thinking itself fragments reality. That's why we practice what we call meditation. Meditation in truth is who and what we are. Being stillness, still awareness, enveloping everything with love, which is formless, enveloping everything in peace, which is formless, dimensionless, is what God is. It's prior to anything that appears in it, including any thoughts, feelings, emotions, bodies, images, objects in the world. It's prior to that. And that is what we are. We're the space in between our thoughts. We're the, where stillness reigns complete and healed and whole without distinction or without differences, demarcations, lines or forms. It's, it's what we are is so much, much, much more than what we can even think about. So, you know, to change the world is to change the dream. Change the thinking is to change the, the thinking of the ego. The, the Course teaches us to change our idea of ourselves from a concept 
a concept of the I. Judy thinks she's this and that, doing this and that, to the, the openness and the welcoming open field of awareness, the open-mindedness, the empty field of infinite possibility. And that's, that's where we're headed. This is what we're headed towards. It's not something little or limited or finite. Seek not to change the world or yourself in the world. It's all just a mirror. It's all just an echo. It's a reflection of the truth of what we are. So hear, 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 and be glad, glad, glad that we're not, we, we can't even conceive of what we are and to be still and, and to know that we're created perfect, that anything we do or say in this dream is, is beyond judgment because it's, it's a dream. You don't judge a mirage thinking that you know what it is when you see it. When it evaporates and it was just water, it's just a dream. The whole thing is a dream in the consciousness. Consciousness of God. It's all consciousness. Everything is an idea in the mind of God. Everything we see, everything we hear, taste, touch, or feel, it's all just an experience in the mind of God. It's all God's mind. (laughs) I am too excited this morning. I'll be still now. Thank you. Well, thank you, Judy. Okay. I I really, I just have a couple short passages to offer in closing. And, okay, the first one's from Lesson 135. If I defend myself, I'm attacked. Uh, Paragraphs 19 and 20. Got it to change one sentence a little bit. From 19, what could you not accept if you but knew that everything that happens, all events, past, present, and to come, are gently planned by one who's Only purpose is your good. Perhaps you have misunderstood his plan, for he would never offer pain to you. But your defenses did not let you see his loving blessing shine in every step you ever took. While you made plans against suffering, he led you gently to peace. Your present trust in him, him, is the defense which promises a future undisturbed, without a trace of sorrow, and with joy which constantly increases as this life becomes a holy instant, set in time but heeding only immortality. Let no defenses but your present trust direct the future and this life becomes a meaningful encounter with the truth that only your defenses would conceal. So I think to bring a little bit of what Lori would say, <laughs> that uh, running into some block where fear, uncertainty, and doubt are called for, um, the short passage 
to say, I obviously don't know what's good for me here. And then to trust him that the situation is for is for the overcoming of whatever that block is that we've built up over time. <clears throat> and so the final conclusion I bring to the last paragraph of the epilogue to the workbook. We trust our ways to him and say, Amen. In peace we will continue in his way and trust all things to him. In confidence we wait his answers as we ask his will in everything we do. He, and I have to say, all the he's in this are God, our creator. He loves God's son as we would love him, and he teaches us how to behold him, our brother, through his eyes, father, and love our brother as our creator does. You do not walk alone. God's angels hover close and all about. His love surrounds you, and of this be sure, that Christ will never leave you comfort. 